and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, it's Brother Frank, and I'm back and excited for another exciting episode of The Remnant Call. And folks, I just want to say thank you for everybody that's joining us tonight and for those that will be joining us in the archives. And uh, all around this world, our listenership has grown. And every time I look into the uh, metrics and the um, the analytics of where this program reaches, it just blows my mind to think here is this little old country boy um, from Virginia – uh, reaching out all over the United States, and that's just exciting, and all over into the world, into places. I, now, I've traveled around the world a good bit, especially when I was in the Marines and, and mission work, but in countries um, I never would have thought would ever be listening to this program. So to all you out there listening, thank you so very much for your support for this program. And for those that listened in last week on the Red Horse, Behold the Red Horse with uh, Benjamin Baruch, just want to say, uh, a big thanks to Benjamin. And some of you might wonder, well, Frank, why do you have Benjamin on so often? I'll tell you why. Because when a man writes a book, and, and I read it in 1999 as a drug addict, uh, I mean, everything possible wrong, a man who was down at the worst part of life, and God used that book to supernaturally pull me out uh, of this dark dungeon that I was in. I'll tell you what, that person who wrote that book that God used it, it tends to have a special place in your heart. And I'll tell you what, I will forever be thankful to God first and foremost, but also be thankful for Benjamin for allowing the Lord to let him write that book years ago uh, and basically be a vessel and uh, knowing one day that I was going to need to read that book. And not only did God save my life, but he saved my family also. And so for that, I am so thankful. Well, you know, tonight we have a special program, and I'm excited about it. And the reason I'm excited about it is because we often talk about grace so often. It's the number one thing you ever hear. And there's a lot of divisions in churches. Uh, we have the churches that are, you know, grace, 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 and, and, and really to a, such a cheapness about grace that really grace is more of, of a license to do as you feel and however you want, because God will cover it with grace no matter what. You don't have to worry. And that's actually known in the Bible as licentiousness, basically a license to do what you want. And um, some believe that was the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And, um, you know, so, folks, there is a true understanding of grace. And we're going to get into that tonight. And we're going to talk about a part of grace that I dare to say many of you have never thought before of or maybe even considered. Now, there's some of you probably maybe you have. But I hope tonight by the end of this show that you will understand grace in a way you have never understood it before and in such a way that the struggle that you have in your life, you will have a new found uh, 
plan for victory because you will understand that God is fighting for you in a way that you couldn't even imagine. And so, folks, with that, I'm just going to open up with just a quick word of prayer here. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name of Yeshua, the name above all names, I ask that this program tonight be wholly consecrated unto you. Lord, that I would decrease and that you would increase so that this word could come forth, Lord, and that would resonate with the people and and encourage us for the hour that we live in. Father, we know that it is dark days ahead of us, and you know even better than us that if we could just see really what was going to happen, we would be shaking, truly trembling, Lord. And so I ask today that this message that we share tonight, Father, that I share here on this program, that you will sink it deep into the hearts, Lord, and that the words that I say will not come from me, but will come from you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, I want to start off with just a, a story. And those of you who know the great, famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, um, powerful, powerful man of God. Uh, they say more people were healed in his services than in all the hospitals in Britain back in the 1800s when he was preaching. And the interesting thing about um, Spurgeon was he, from what I understand, he never actually had an altar call. He believed that if you were convicted on a Sunday when you came to his church, you'd be still convicted on a Monday. And his preaching was so powerful because it was so anointed and blessed by God that people were just coming to Jesus through it. And so, you know, Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker, who was another uh, large preacher at that time, uh, both had churches in London in the 19th century. And On one occasion, Parker had commented on the poor condition of children admitted into Spurgeon's orphanage. But it got reported back to Spurgeon, however, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself. Spurgeon then turned around and blasted Parker the next week from the pulpit. The attack was printed in the newspaper, and it became the talk of the town. People the next Sunday ended up flocking over to Parker's church because they were curious to see his rebuttal against Spurgeon for what Spurgeon had said. So with all that in mind, Parker stood up, and this is what he says. I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today, and this is the Sunday they used to take up an offering for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead. The crowd was delighted, they said, and the ushers had to empty the collection plates three times just to finish taking up the offering. Later that week, it was reported that Parker suddenly uh, heard a knock at his uh, at his studio, a study there, and it was Charles Spurgeon. And so Spurgeon comes in and he says, you know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You have given me not what I deserved, but you've given me what I needed. See, because this story got misinterpreted to Charles Spurgeon, he thought that Parker was blasting his orphanage when he was just simply commenting and saying, you know, Spurgeon, he's taking in some, some orphanage, orphans that are really in bad shape. I mean, he's doing a good work, but it got misreported. And, and, you know, Parker had every right to stand up and defend himself of these false accusations back from, Park, from uh, Spurgeon, but instead – He gave him grace, something that he did not deserve, but it was something that he needed. You see, grace, folks, we understand it's it's undeserving, unmerited favor of God. Not what you deserve, but it's what you need. Now, the word grace, if you... 
if you uh, understand Greek at all, and I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but it's the word charis, and it, it simply just means graciousness, um, um, divine influence upon the heart, and, and it reflection in the life, and uh, it means joy. It's what affords joy. It's pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, and, and see, the word in and of itself does not actually uh, – properly express this doctrine, this this theology of grace. We actually begin to build this theology of grace through from just a few other scriptures here in the Bible. And you see the word of grace in and of itself, it it, it simply just means joy. But as we begin to look farther in the Bible, we look in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see the grace that God gives, he does it for free. You don't deserve it. You didn't work hard for it. You in and of yourself don't even deserve it. But the Bible continues to build on this theology of grace. When Paul says in Romans 5, 8, he says, but God commended us, excuse me, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we come to this place where we recognize how unworthy we are. Even though we're messed up, we're sinners, we don't deserve it. And God gives us grace to an undeserving people who who should have had death, but instead he offers life and says, I'm coming for you anyways, is grace. But, but... There's more to it than just that. Because I'm sure of what I've just shared with you is not necessarily anything new. You probably understand it and wonder, oh, Frank, why is this program so special? Well, folks, there's another side of grace. It's maybe a side that you've never seen before or even recognized. A side of grace that you experience often, but you don't understand what it is. Because we've been taught from children to understand grace from that beautiful but very limited definition I just gave you. Turn with me if you've got your Bibles handy. If you, you and everybody I'm sure does. If you don't, you have one on your mobile device uh, that you can pop open. If not, then just listen along. It's in Hebrews chapter two, and I'm going to read verses nine and ten. So it's Hebrews chapter two, verse nine and ten. And I want to look at this other side of grace. Verse nine. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. The violence of grace. You see, you you look at this scripture, and we begin to see another side of grace, a very violent side of grace. When you read it carefully, it was God's grace that sent Jesus to his death. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I was brought up believing. Listen, let me make this clear. I was brought up believing as just as everybody else was, that it was my sins that sent Jesus to the cross. Now, it is true that my sin was why he went to the cross for my sin to 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 make you know to to pay the price but it wasn't my or your sins that sent Jesus to the cross 
Because the Bible specifically says here that it was grace. See, here God has Jesus come down on this earth, and he sees this uh, totally undeserving group of people here. They're a complete and utter mess. They've fallen away from truth. They've got all these man-made laws and rules that are so overwhelming and burdening that people have begun to detest the Word of God because they can't keep these man-made rules and restrictions. Maybe you've experienced that in your own walk in life. And so here God comes down to this undeserving people and suffers this unbelievable beating. I mean, in Isaiah 52, it says that his visage was so marred, worse than any man, meaning that Jesus took this beating that was something that nobody had ever experienced before. It was hideous. It, they beat Jesus so bad that it changed his physical appearance. That they, I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And so God says that it was his will that he would taste death for every man. And God says this is grace. Jesus hung and was crucified, and God calls it grace, the violence of grace. See, the Heavenly Father knew all along that animal sacrifices could never purge completely. So he decided to send his only begotten son. And even though, folks, you and me, we didn't deserve it, he goes and does this and calls it grace, and that just blows my mind. Let me read it one more time so we can get this through. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation. And get this, folks, perfect through suffering. Our sins didn't put Jesus on the cross. It was grace. It was grace. And he learned how to suffer because he loved us. You see, God knew that the only way that, that sin can be stopped dead in its tracks was grace. Jesus was wounded and suffered and crucified because of grace. You see, grace is not only unmerited favor, but it is a powerful weapon that makes war against sin, the violence of grace. Turn with me as we dig this just a little bit more. Let's get into this a little deeper here. Turn over with me to Romans chapter 7. This is a, a very famous uh, verses in the Bible. Everybody seems to know Romans chapter 7. Churches love to, to preach on it. And so I just want to look at it starting in verse 15 of Romans chapter 7. You'll, you'll start to understand quickly where I'm going here. For that which I do, I allow not. For that which I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. See, you remember this. Paul, he's, he's got this, this war that's going on inside of him. 
that the thing which he wants to do, he can't do. He seems to mess it up all the time, and, and he never gets it done right. He wants to do it, but he doesn't do it, and that which he doesn't want to do, he ends up doing, and he's frustrated because he's got this battle that is raging inside him. I'm going to continue reading here in verse 18. It says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Folks, have you ever been in that position before? Have you, are you relating to what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 7? Because I'm telling you, after we listened last week on Benjamin's program, uh, there Benjamin here on the Remnant Call, we understand that this, this seems to be symptomatic that all around right now, that the body of believers are under heavy attack and there is struggle going on in the body. There is all, Satan has got an all-out war going on against God's remnant all over the world, and, and, and we feel the struggle going on just like Paul did and so picking it back up in verse 21 it says I find then a law that when I would do good evil is present with me oh folks I know too well what he's talking about that feeling of I want to get free and every time I do there's something else that seems to be warring right against me but in, ver in verse 23 or verse 22 says for I delight in the law of God after the inward man but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members O wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death See, Paul was in an all-out war against his flesh that wanted to sin. Have you felt like that? His heart was saying no, but the carnal side of Paul is saying yes to sin. Paul is facing this battle, a battle that many of us have faced and are facing right now. And the reason he is struggling and warring within, folks, is because of grace. Paul is fighting and struggling and clawing and warring with internal to overcome, and the reason he's battling is because of grace, and I'm going to prove it to you. If you turn over to Romans chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, you've got to hear what the Word of God says here. Verse four, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 6, verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. See, what he's saying here is that, folks, you've got to get this here. Sin shall no longer have dominion. We're not under sin anymore. It's not to be our master. We're now under grace, and grace is making war against our sin. Paul's saying, what, do we just continue like this because we're under grace? He's saying, God forbid. We don't continue in sin. Folks, the reason you're struggling and battling here is because of grace. What he's saying here is because of grace, sin shall not be your master. It shall no longer have dominion. See, we don't continue in sin because we're under grace. God forbid, Paul says. You don't toss out God's commands because of grace. Those commands are the only way we know if we have sinned. 
The Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. Folks, the only way you're ever going to know if you even sin if you break one of God's commandments, right? If you go out and, and you steal, then thou shalt not steal. That's how you know you've sinned. But here he's saying we're under grace right now. It doesn't mean we have a license to sin, but the reason that we are under grace is because grace wants to take the dominion over in our lives. Remember when Jesus said you're no longer slaves to sin? Right? You're no longer the servant of sin. See, what was happening is sin is trying to have dominion over Paul's life, and here comes grace and says, no, you don't. Sin shall not have dominion over you any longer. See, it's interesting. If you really want to look at this in a little bit deeper, look into the Greek. In this really powerful verse, when you see this word, you know, dominion, it actually in the literal language, kariyu, means to rule. Literally means to rule. When you, folks, when you fall into sin, sin takes ownership of your life. It rules. It has dominion. It's why you struggle. But then you feel the heat of this struggle building because you're trying to serve God. And sometimes you feel like a a failure and you're wondering what's going on. And, folks, that's because grace is coming in full blast in a very violent manner. And it's saying, you know what, sin? You do not have dominion over this person anymore. More. Grace has come. See, coming to Jesus means that there's a new ruler in your life. And the Bible says our king, folks, he's not a fuzzy little teddy bear. No, the Bible says he is a warrior. And he makes war against sin. And because it has no place in his kingdom, that that's why the battle is so hot. And the Bible calls it grace. But the interesting thing is, is that you see that Paul doesn't end up living like this forever. See, folks, the problem we're running into many times here in church is that so many churches are stuck in the Romans chapter 7 way of life. They didn't continue reading into the Word, and we're going to get into this. And so they look at this war that's going on in Paul's life, and they say, see, that's how it is. I'm just an old rotten sinner. There's nothing I can do. Hey, listen, Paul struggled. Paul sinned, and you see what happened to him, and you and you understand that you know. Hey, listen, I don't. I can just I can just do like Paul, right? It's okay if I have a war if I don't always do what's right. And they don't. They didn't read anymore, because if you continue to read into Romans chapter eight and verse one, it starts out and it says, "There is therefore now no condemnation." to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Hallelujah. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For for what the law could not do, and that was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Do you see what Paul's talking about, folks? What he's trying to say here is that he was struggling in Romans chapter 7. It was an all-out battle, but Paul stopped living after the flesh, and he began to live after the spirit of the living God. 
Folks, if you try to simply only obey and have victory in your flesh, you will fail and you will die in your flesh. But when you begin to live in the Spirit, you will have victory because victory comes through the spirit of the living God and not the flesh of a mortal soul. And when we try to battle in the flesh, we live in the flesh and we war and we wonder why we war. And it's because grace is trying to take over dominion and point us back to the spirit of the living God. I want to continue reading on here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not, listen to what he says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You see, folks, what was happening is Paul had struggled. He had experienced this battle of grace. He was in the thick of the war. It was going crazy, and everything's fall, you know, in his life, it seems like it's falling apart. Nothing is going to go right for him. But all of a sudden, Paul learns that there is this incredible victory for those who will begin to live after the Spirit, because the reason that the war was going so hot is because of grace. Let me be clear, folks. The king of all kings is in the business of deliverance, and it's called grace. It is the sworn enemy of sin, and it is here to make war against the carnal flesh. I never said that you're going to be perfect in any of this message tonight. But that is no excuse as a believer to ever allow sin to rule your life. You see, there's a struggle in our hearts, this yearning to be free from our fleshly desires, a great controversy between good and evil that is raging um, within each one of us at times. And here comes grace, and it just completely invades the life of the believer. And this sin which we've been struggling with becomes more apparent, and the struggle becomes worse because we begin to see the sin for what it really is when it is exposed. And we have tried so often, and it seems like we can't find victory and, and we see God's standard for living, and we look at his commands, and we say, God, I can't live up. I don't have the power. It's the same thing that when Paul was confronted with the truth that he was going through, and we wonder why this battle is so intense, and it's because of grace. It's because of grace. And you might be sitting there wondering right at this moment, but Frank, I'm struggling with this, and I, I, I think I get what you're talking about, but I don't know if I'm ever going to overcome Folks, I want to read a verse with you in Romans 5, verse 20. I want you to listen closely to what it says. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You see, listen to what, see what happened, folks, is if you look at this closely, See, see, you see, the law of God, what it does is it exposes sin for what it is, and it leaves us without an excuse. 
The law of God leaves us without any excuse at all. We, have, we cannot say that, you know, it wasn't our fault that this happened. No, no, the law exposes it for the truth. And here comes grace in this all-out assault from the loving God that he is, and he's unwilling to do anything less than the supreme ruler of your life. See, God wants dominion over you, and you're wondering why you're struggling so hard. Folks, you, you feel so defeated, but you've got to understand. You've got to stop looking at it as being defeated. Folks, you've you got to understand, yes, you, are, you have failed, but don't, folks, listen, that battle is going so hot because of grace. God is fighting for you. Then the war is struggling, and it's going on hard, and you feel like you can't live up, but you've got to understand. You've got to have confidence when you're down there and you're feeling down, and you've got to remember and remind yourself, God, you're fighting for me. And even though there's so much sin in my life, you said you have more grace. And I'm wondering why the, why the battle's getting so hot. Because grace is abounding even more. And folks, when you can start to see the war like this, you can begin to see the victory. God has more grace than you have sin in your lives today. But it's interesting because it continues in verse 21 in Romans chapter 5. It says that as sin hath reigned unto death, because that is the reward. That's the devil's reward. Those who serve the devil, their reward is death. And sin has reigned unto death. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. This battle is going so hot, and, 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 it's, and it's warring against um, everything in our lives uh, that we have in our knowledge of the flesh. And, and this flesh, all it ends up doing is bringing us uh, death and defeat so often. And God's saying, let me in. My grace and my life is more powerful than your sin and your flesh, and God can overcome the violence of grace. Is your God fighting for you? And the struggle that you're going through right now, you've got to stop looking at it like you're being defeated, that you're failing. You've got to start understanding and get on God's side and realize that the war is hot, but it's because God is fighting for you. He refuses to allow sin to have dominion in your life. Now, folks, I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, I served some time in, in Okinawa. And, and if anybody saw the movie that was out a while ago on um, – on Desmond Doss, powerful, powerful movie. But I remember I lived over there in that area. And in the, in the spring of 1945, you know, Private Desmond Doss' company faced a grueling task. Climb a steep, jagged cliff known as Hacksaw Ridge to a plateau where thousands of heavily armed Japanese soldiers were waiting for them. The terrain was treacherous. It was full of caves and holes, and the Japanese were dug in underground. They called it the Rain of Steel because there was so much iron flying around up there. Under a barrage of gunfire and explosions, Doss crawled on the ground from wounded soldier to wounded soldier. 
He dragged severely injured men to the edge of the ridge, tied a rope around their bodies, and lowered them down to the other medics below. And in Benedict's documentary on Desmond Doss, this is what he said. As Doss was there with each person, he said, I was praying the whole time. I just kept praying, Lord, please help me get one more. See, folks, that's God. See, he's not willing that any should perish. But in times, I believe God delays because he just wants one more. One more soul in the kingdom. And as Desmond Doss was willing to risk his life and go back into that gunfire, one after another after another, to rescue those wounded individuals, God is willing to do the same thing. And the Bible calls it grace. He came to suffer this death that was unbelievable for a people who totally deserved it. And for the prize that was laid up before Jesus, he was willing to endure the sufferings of the cross because he valued you and he loves you. And the battle that you're going through is grace. It's an an unrelenting God who is unwilling to let you go. And you feel like you're struggling and you're failing. And folks, it's God is fighting so hard for you. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you victory. Stop falling into the part of failure and start looking onto the amazing victory that that your God is on your side. When you fall into that temptation, when you fall into that, and you feel this guilt, you got to remember it's God. He's saying, I want dominion back over your life. He's fighting for you. Grace is violent. Because our God is unwilling to let you go without a fight. An all-loving God laid down his life for undeserving sinners and endured the sufferings and the agonies of the cross that we so justly deserved. And the Bible calls it grace. It's time to surrender our lives to God. Well, folks, I want to wrap this show up by prayer because I know what it's like to suffer and to, and to be in that, in that spot where you feel like you can't get out and everything's going wrong in your life and you're wondering, God, are you ever there for me? And, and you know, every time I've been in that situation, when God has brought me through, I look back and I saw the wisdom and I realized that he never, ever left me. That he was always there fighting for me. And folks... Listen, you have no power in your flesh to overcome. And Paul had to learn the same lesson too. We got to live by the Spirit. And you need to understand that your God has more grace than you have sin. And he has the ability to overcome and set you free if you will let him. The violence of grace is a powerful weapon. Because it is the arch enemy of sin and refuses to allow sin to have dominion any more over the believer's life. I want to pray for each one of you that are suffering right now.
For those of you that feel so often, you, you go around your friends, you go to church, you go around people, and you, oh, well, praise the Lord, How, this is so great, but inside there's a war going on. I want to pray for you right now. And for those that seem like they can't just get up and start praying, it feels like everything has got you, like your feet are in quicksand, like your prayers aren't going through the roof, like nothing's happening. You can't even get off a popcorn prayer. You can't even get off a, a, you know, a verse a day. You feel like everything's going on. I want to pray for you because I believe God is in the business of deliverance tonight. If you're struggling, I want you to agree with me. Because we're going to go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're going to ask him for victory. Father in heaven, Lord, you know our failures. You know how many times we've let you down, God. How many times we've made promises to stop doing something and we ended up doing it again. Lord, you understand how many times we've, we've defiled your name by the way we've represented you around other people, Lord. God, you know the times that you've, you've been looking over our shoulders and that, that secret sin that, you, that people don't want anybody to know about, Lord. You've seen it and the guilt that comes over the believer, Lord. You've been there the whole time. And God, I pray for those people right now that they just feel like there's no way out, that, that no matter how hard they try, that they can't seem to find victory. And I want to pray, folks, right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would come down and touch them. Lord, I want to repent for my own sins. I want to repent for my failures and my broken promises. And the times where I've let you down, where I've been a bad father, I've been a bad witness, Lord. Please forgive me, God. I'm sorry, Lord. But Father, I've been through the years, and I've been through the battles, and I've found one thing is for sure that you promised in your word and you meant it that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And I pray for that person right now, Lord, that feels like they can't get out, that you would touch them and remind them that you are there and you've got more grace than they've got sin in their lives and they can have victory because if they ask it in the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this blessing. I thank you for the violence of grace that refuses to leave us in our carnal nature but points us back to the spirit of the living God that God would have full, utter control and dominion in our lives. Lord, I surrender and I pray for those that are listening now. We would surrender ourselves to you, Lord. And that you would accept this surrender, Lord, even though it's feeble and it's surrender and this attempt of surrender, Lord. It feels so times like we say we want to surrender, but we end up not, Lord, feeling like we it's it, it's just halfway. But God, accept this pathetic attempt at surrender that we have and complete that which we cannot for us. Thank you, God, for this. Pray for victory for each person out there.
that we would get our minds back on Jesus, back in the fight, back in the game, back in the word, back in the prayer closet, and Lord, we would become productive citizens for the kingdom to spread this good news of Jesus soon return to a dying world while we have time left is my prayer in Jesus name amen this is brother Frank from the remnant call wishing everybody that's listening to this program victory in the name of Jesus and with that I would like to say to everyone good night and shalom.